Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. Hi everyone, welcome to Because. I'm Mark Zyla. This week we have part two of my conversation with director of bands at St. Ambrose University, Nick Enns. I hope you enjoy this conversation, and if you've not heard part one, just look for that in the feed where you found this episode. Enjoy. Let's get you and Lisa back Back together. (laughs) So so master's degree at CMU. And I know that we have a a trip to Columbus, Ohio coming up. Uh, What's the story behind that? Yeah, so I started my doctorate at Ohio State in 2012. Mm -hmm. And Lisa had got a year of leave from Bethel College to just live with me. Okay. I mean, yeah. Sabbatical? Not really? Yeah, yeah. Unpaid leave. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that was great that we lived together. But I mean, Columbus is, I mean, I think it was, I've heard it's like with like the, one of the largest metropolitan areas in the country. Hmm. I think like the top 15 or something. I don't know. I believe that because it's, uh, you know, Columbus is close to my neck of the woods. It was always the like day trip city yeah. <laughs> that we would take. And uh, the sprawl is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like I, I live in Parkersburg, West Virginia, which is like two and a half, two forty five from columbus and i feel like i'm driving in columbus for at least an hour and a half of (laughs) it because it just sprawls it's different cities but you're like columbus and there's like canal winchester is now a big place on the way home like anyway Mm -hmm. it's a cool place but weird in the sense that it's like it doesn't stop yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so i started there and yeah i spent Three years there in mm-hmm. that program. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing I really loved about that program that I didn't see anywhere else, a couple things about that, um, where they they take one doctoral conducting student every three years. Wow. And they treat you like junior faculty. I mean, that, that's what I, mean, I was told where, I mean, I directed the third of four concert bands. Like, that was all mine. Mm-hmm. A lot of podium time. I had my own office. Wow. Um, but it was kind of like preparation for like getting your first right and you're you're programming game. concerts and mm-hmm. like doing the band director yeah. thing. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I mean, so the, the other thing that I really, I another other reason I really drawn to that program was just the lifestyle of my advisor. I mean, I think because yeah, you're you're really tied to your your advisor and everything they're doing, and so many you know, like big name band directors, like they're on their fourth or fifth marriage. I mean, that's an exaggeration, mm-hmm. but like, or I mean, where, but his life was balanced in a way, I should just, maybe, I should just phrase it in a more positive way. Like his life was balanced in a way that I would like my life to be balanced with like his career, right? his wife. Yeah. yeah. Some people take the approach of like, and I, I don't know, I don't think it's unique to music. And uh, it is not an experience that I've been through, so I'm not, I can't speak firsthand about it, but just like seeing other people go through it, that like 
if you're not conscious about balance, like work will eat your personal mm -hmm. life. It'll do it. I mean, especially if you're a creative person, if, if what you're doing is a passion of yours or you're interested in it. And like, I'm, I'm imagining that at your core, you like being in front of ensembles. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, you know, um, give give Nick an ensemble and he's in, he's in heaven. But at the same time, it's like, you, you got to get off the podium. You got to put the <laughs> snowshoes on, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and do those other things. So yeah. Um, I, I, and I've, I've seen people in my story too, like that. And was always just like, it just, it looks like it sucks to ruin your personal life every 10 to 15 years, yeah. you know, and have to start over again and never really been interested in that. Mm -hmm. Wait until I found somebody that, yeah. <laughs> that I'm sure I can do it all with. So anyway, <laughs> so that that's a very cool insight and glad that you shared that that's something that you're like thinking about yeah. when you're trying to model after somebody above you. So mm -hmm. give us some more, uh, some more, Oh, the Ohio State yeah, the, <laughs> University story. That was pounded into us even like during our orientation. Mm -hmm. That and all the cheers, like, and we look around the room and like it's a bunch of students like getting their masters. I mean, they're graduate students. Like, we don't care about like the, the or team. not. Yeah, the, the or, like this this, <laughs> this definite article that has to be this now trademarked. Right. Uh, um, and all all these cheers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So there was that. I mean, the, there were. I've learned, yeah, I mean, it was a intense, lear I mean, learning experience um, with, I mean, a lot of, a lot of great, I don't know, I don't want to say perks, but like opportunities. I mean, like to be, yeah, to like work with the like Ohio State marching band. Like if you ever watch the Michael Jackson show, mm -hmm. there's a tiny little conductor in the upper right hand corner on a ladder. Like that's me. So like <laughs> I've, I've been watched by like. What, like 21 million people or whatever or like That's awesome <laughs> no idea yeah. um i i've heard that being the person who gets to dot the i is like a big deal <laughs> tell tell me about that well i mean <laughs> this is they're gonna like take my degree away um i think as a woodwind player i mean i of course a little bit um frustrated with i mean the the, you know, the Ohio State Marching Band is only brass and percussion. They don't have woodwinds. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, which also is why they have, I mean, I think that it helps, like, just have this nice, uniform, just powerful sound. Because you have to deal with this, like, wimpy right. woodwind players. That get all those weird things that happen when it's cold yeah. outside, or when it's warm <laughs> outside, or if it's humid outside. <laughs> but, no, no, I, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, 100% dotting the eye is a huge... I mean, it's an honor. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. And so anyone from Ohio, but I mean, like even talking to players now, like, oh, if I can, like, yeah. like, like here in Iowa, or like, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it, it's a big deal. I mean, like, because the camera's on them. Mm -hmm. You're the one person yeah. who gets to do the thing. So, what is the selection process like for that? Because I have to imagine if it's that big of a deal to people that they've kind of come up with something. You know, I don't. I don't exactly. <laughs> No. Hmm. Um, but anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. 
but I, 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 I figured I, if yeah, I'm going to have it, an OS, if I'm going to have an Ohio State yeah, guy in here, it, I'm going to talk it, about the eye. Yeah, in that way, I'm, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I wasn't involved in that aspect of the of the, <laughs> of the pro. Yeah, the majority of my time was spent like we, yeah, with the, like the concert bands. Yeah, very cool. Um, was one thing that I know about Columbus that makes it a good place to be is its proximity. I mean, it's in and of itself like a very, uh, I think, vibrant community with a lot of things to do. Uh, Stanton's sheet music, mm -hmm. you know that. Yeah. You know all about that place. I'm sure I yeah, grew yeah. up there uh -huh. because my dad. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I told this story on here, but I, I or I was talking to somebody, but like every summer every christmas break every spring break my dad would go to stanton's and they would set up like one of those listening booths and uh -huh. like he would tell him what scores big stack of scores <laughs> and cds there and he would like listen and my entire childhood was spent in the like guitar tab part in the front where it's like oh man here's an oasis book let me look and see how this looks. so it's just like trying to figure out what to do with myself when my dad is picking middle school and high school band um, music at stands but yeah. <laughs> anyway yeah but I, I still cleveland's, like music them, yeah. cleveland's close cincinnati is close mm -hmm. i mean that's the kind of i think the awesome thing about the midwest is that like while you may live kind of in the middle of nowhere you You're, can drive north, south, yeah. east, or west and find a big city. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, what kind of things were you doing outside of school uh, in in that time? Um, well, yeah, I mean, at that time, I guess, like, within music, I mean, like, Severance Hall is, like, right there. And, yeah, so, um, I mean, I was also president of the graduate music students. Mm -hmm. And so we would, yeah, I mean, schedule, like, these off-campus outings. We would go to, like, see Cleveland, Cleveland Symphony or mm -hmm. yeah, Cincinnati. Um, uh, but I think outside of like music, I mean, I think the Columbus is where I kind of became even more foodie. Okay. Um, and yet there's just so many great options there in, mm -hmm. in Columbus and all the little like. Um, right. And then like they've done a lot around like whenever the, I'm a hockey guy. So whenever oh, yeah. <laughs> the Blue Jackets came to town, like where that arena's built, like they've started building out from mm -hmm. there. So there's like a lot of cool places to eat and stuff like that. So I think you you got to Columbus at the right time yeah. too in that oh, sense. Yeah. So um what did you do your dissertation on? We actually haven't <sighs> talked about dissertations on this show, but um so when you get a doctorate degree in music or a doctorate degree in anything, you have to do what's called a dissertation. You pick a topic, you write a big paper on it, and then you present it. What did you write about? I wrote on the uh, on, on the Grawmeyer Award, which is a huge music composition award, and um, how the wind band music fits into that system mm -hmm. and so essentially i was kind of looking at the likelihood that a wind band piece would win a big award like that and a couple things i mean that i think of i mean brought me to that i mean um i mean kind of the biggest prize in music in america is the the pulitzer mm -hmm. and up until 2000 i'm trying to remember the exact date like 2017 18 it's always been like orchestral or 
like choral works until it was a Kendrick Lamar. Right. When, yeah. Um, and um, a, a couple of researchers were looking, you know, like, have they, were they even considering the wind band? Because, I mean, I think a lot of people in the wind band world, and my advisor always warned me, like, this could be just a deep, dark rabbit hole that you would never come out of. But, like, mm-hmm. the wind band often feels like to people like, I don't know, the smelly little brother or sister of, like, the orchestra. Right. Um, or it's just like an educational type ensemble. Right. Or that all the music is transcribed from yeah. orchestra world and it's a version of something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so they were kind of looking, yeah. So I was kind of looking at that particular thing. Like, yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, what would it take or, yeah, I mean, to have the wind band like the same level as an orchestra in terms of like public perception. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so using the Grawmeyer Award for this is pretty interesting in that Grawmeyer himself, who created this award, um, wanted to the award to represent as many different facets of music mm-hmm. and made everything open. So every every piece that was nominated mm-hmm. is on record, where the Pulitzer, like, you don't know what was actually nominated, because you don't even know what was being considered. I see. So with the Grom, I, I could go back and see, like, here are the, like, 130 pieces that were considered in 1994. Right. And then there's different levels of judging. So the first level of judging is just composition faculty. Right. They're at Universal Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, and so they advance a certain number of works on mm-hmm. to the next round. And the next round are professional musicians. One represents, a, and it, it does kind of vary a little bit, but usually represents a like conductor a critic and like a professional musician or something. Okay. Uh, and then yep. they advance into the third round, which is late, like what they call like the lay people. So mm-hmm. like, con- like the, and the only requirement to be on that is that you can't be a professional musician, but you have to love classical music. Cool. And yeah, so I, yeah, so we looked and see like, yeah, yes, yeah, so I went to see like how much music was being considered mm-hmm. um, of the wind band, what works were coming up. And, yeah, like, I mean, some really important works, like Michael Colgrass's Winds of Nagual was nominated, but then other works that we thought would should be nominated weren't. Hmm. And so, like, ultimately, I mean, if I had to reduce one of the findings of my dissertation was that, like, yeah, we in the band world often complain that our works don't get recognition, but yeah, we're not the ones even nominating them for this. Right. We're not even being our best advocates. Yeah. So we can't. We can't cry about not being advocated for if we're not going to advocate yeah, for yeah. ourselves. <laughs> well, very, very good. Um, was Did you find that time... Um, okay. I think it's fashionable for folks who are in their DMAs to... How are you doing? Oh, I'm working on my dissertation. Give me a real <laughs> assessment... <laughs> Of what it's like to, and I'm not poo-pooing dissertations, Mm -hmm. like, do not take it that way. But I often find people in the midst of it, I actually, I don't know, I've never written one. Is that overhyped? Or did you find this to be a process that was manageable? Or or is it something that you enjoyed? I'm trying to find somebody who really enjoyed their dissertation, too. And be real, man. No, I mean, like, there's no reason. Everyone note this out. I will say, above all, I really 
loved my time there and the people I work with, like mm-hmm. Russ Mickelson, Scott Jones. Um, and I think they were incredibly supportive. And mm-hmm. so I think the writing part and the research part, I mean, I first of all, I think like certainly back to the liberal arts education, I think that helped me prepare for this more than anything else. Okay. In that, like, I was a good writer. I mean, like, even my master's thesis was, like, pub- like published in, in mm-hmm. um, applications of research in music education. Right. Um, sorry, I was just changing my legs. I don't know oh, if you need to. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> you can edit that out. No. Um, but, uh, so, our qualifying exams are, were, it's a four-week process. Mm-hmm. And it's usually done during the summer. But I think that was kind of a warm-up because you you have four people on your committee. They each gave you a question you have to research exhaustively and write on. Mm-hmm. And so by the end, I had like probably like 350 pages that I had written. Wow. Just for that portion. Just for that. Um, wow. And that's where I like – yeah, you learn like I can churn out a, you know, like a page of academic writing. And because you get to the point where you're doing it so much – Right. Um that it becomes a process that Yeah. You just do. Yeah. Cool. Um but then the actual like writing of it or actually like actually doing it, I think one thing I really, really, really value and respected and hearing from my friends who did not have this experience doing theirs, mm-hmm. I mean again like I that's another reason why I love Russ Mickelson was when during our writing phase, he wouldn't let me do anything else. Even the third band that I was conducting I was more of a guest conductor for that group. Okay. He had another faculty mm-hmm. doing that. And so he really, really, really protected my time. Okay. And then that also allowed me to, yeah, go to University of Louisville where the Grommeyer archives were. Mm-hmm. And actually, again, dealing with relationships while I was there, I stayed with um, two alumni from Michigan Tech that were like, worked for Yum Brands. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the KFC uh, folks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I mean, so I kind of had a built in hotel there. Nice. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. So I did that. Um, and so the the writing I thought was, yeah, I mean, like interesting or whatnot. I think, yeah, I, I, I don't know how to describe it. I would say, it was, I mean, it was definitely a hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what do they say? That like 50% of all people, like, doing their doctorates are i mean like like seek mental health like help whether it's like medication or just counseling services Mm -hmm. or whatnot um yeah i mean like and i was one of them like as well as like everyone else right um i don't yeah i mean it would I'm trying. I don't know. Like you, it, it, yeah. It, 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 it was just. I think the the thing that I that helped me really. Cause I've I've like since like gotten together with like other people, um, um, who were in like the like the doctoral flute. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, we got together and like we talked. It's like you know, we feel like it maybe took like four or five years to get better from that experience, or okay. like get I guess, more return to normal. I see. And is it is it just the amount of work? Like I'm, I guess I, I'm I'm trying to get to because for me, like I, my lived experience is that 
being around people who are doing their dissertation, seeing what that was like, made me, like, I was getting burnout. Mm -hmm. Because I did school straight through. And if I went back and did something over again, I might try to figure out a way to be Mm -hmm. out of school for a minute. Because what I found was... I had just been so steeped in the horn <laughs> world. It's like, uh-huh. at, at some point, I, I just got to the point where, like, all I care about is just playing. And, like, I can do this now. Like, I won jobs. Mm-hmm. And, like, it kind of in the sense of, like, when you were looking at, at Peabody, it was like, I, I, like, why am I going to take on this incredible amount of work that everybody around me seemingly, like, is a little bit depressed from <laughs> yeah. um why would i do that you know and i i, I didn't <laughs> and so like i guess for me a little bit of this is, is is a personal uh exploration of like did i did i fend off something that would have been yeah. not good for <laughs> me or is it just me kind of like overreacting to to people's attitudes around it if that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah. No, I know. I think, yeah. I mean, you said a couple of things. I mean, you may retire, but I think academia, like a lot of things, like you don't know what you're getting into until it's too late. And yeah. not that I hate academia, but when you're starting graduate school, like, I mean, first of all, even like, I mean, I know I'm really fortunate, like, to have a tenure track or like, a, yeah, I mean, like now, now tenured at Ambrose. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a rarity but i had i had no idea what that entailed like when i started my master's program or like right. doctorate i mean like yeah um <laughs> but i don't know I, I think i think one of the hardest things is like when you're doing the dissertation the expectation is like what you're doing is 100 percent like original work and original thinking that hasn't been done right not not like <sighs> regurgitating or like doing I mean, like research papers that you do in undergrad, where like, no, the like those ideas are really have, right? Where you're pretty much distillation, distilling, yeah, like other people's thoughts and kind of coming to some kind of a conclusion based off of others, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. So having to come up with that, and then the entire time, you know, your your committee and just the entire academic world are questioning, like, is that really original? Is this actually worthwhile? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a, I mean, a lot of imposter syndrome. Yeah. That, that, like, creeps in, and yeah, so I, so, yeah, so I, yeah, I don't think it was. I mean, it, I think it's just, I think it's kind of a common experience. But I didn't even, I still don't even know. I maybe I'm not even, maybe I'm not even yet recovered. <laughs> <laughs> like, certainly don't want to run and do another one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's. Uh, so you got through it. You passed. Mm-hmm. You got your doctorate. Uh. What's next for you? Yeah, so then, yeah, so during my my final semester, I was, yeah, like applying. Mm-hmm. And just so people know what the job market is like for conductors, <laughs> I applied to all 17 jobs that were available that year. Wow. Um, and you got interviews? Yeah, and I, yeah, I, and I got some, like, phone interviews. Mm-hmm. This was back when, like, Skype was, or, like, uh... Yeah, like video Skype was a like fairly new technology, and I had a few of those, but most most time it was just like phone interviews, and then you'd right. be invited to campus or whatnot. But yeah, I mean, like, so there were seventeen positions that I applied for because I didn't apply to anything that was just strictly athletic bands. Right. 
Um, and yeah, I was just thinking about like if every state has like at least one doctoral student coming out of it, like that's 50 people competing for, for like 17, 17 jobs. jobs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and so I yeah, end up getting yeah this position here in, at St. Ambrose. In Davenport, Iowa. Uh-huh. Love that. Um, what were your first impressions uh, coming here? Um, and what year was it? I think that, for people who live in the Quad Cities, it's kind of important uh-huh. for transplants <laughs> because like, I feel like when I first started coming here, compared to now, like the Quad Cities is like a very different place. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we came here in 2015. Okay. And, I mean, what we found was, I mean, the faculty really welcomed me. I mean, like, my first interview, I mean, was Bill Campbell picked me up at the airport and, like, we had a yeah, great time. Like, yeah, I mean, like, you yeah. You can't not have a good time yeah. with Bill Campbell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also remember in my interview, I left my iPad on the plane. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that's where I was going to, like, I, that's where I had, like, my, all my, like, sample lesson plans and everything. But I was prepared and I had, like, hard copies because someone says, like, make sure you have, like, three ways of giving your presentation just in case. And like, I that was my, wise. <laughs> yeah. But the airline got my iPad back to me. Um, Very good. But, uh, um, yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, we talk, I talked with Dean and, and, and Bill and I got, got the job was offered. Um, and then later that summer, Lisa and I came up to start looking at houses. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because yeah, because we're looking. I mean, do we rent? Do we buy? I mean, especially in like education, like how long are we going to be here? Right. Um. But ultimately, I mean, we found. I mean, just buying was so much cheaper than renting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we did end up yeah looking in, and we ended up buying a house just a couple blocks from campus. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, Lisa still walks every day to school. She's never bought a parking pass. She's amazing, <laughs> Nick. You know that I know. That. <laughs> um, so talk to me about uh, for those who are are not uh, quad citizens, paint a picture of of what your life is like on campus at St. Ambrose. Yeah. So right now I teach. Uh, yeah, I do the symphonic band and jazz band, mm-hmm. and then I teach courses in instrumental music education, and mm-hmm. then some G. So depending on the semester. I might teach conducting or instrumental methods, or like right now I'm teaching a woodwind, our woodwind methods class, mm-hmm. and intra- instrumental methods. I've taught like next semester I'll be teaching music technology, which is a lot of recording mm-hmm. um, and like live sound, because as the as the music teacher in any area, you're gonna like people are just gonna look to you and they expect you're gonna have to know these particular right. things. Well, sadly, I'm finding that people are deciding to not record concerts. Which oh, really? is sad to me. Yeah. Wow. I yeah, yeah. That's something that I have gotten big into, like during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and just buying microphones and all these preamps and. Right. I've talked to some people outside of the community, or it's like, oh, you know, we just built a new concert hall and it has like pre-hung mics and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, so you must make some pretty awesome recordings. No, we don't usually record like. At that point, it's a matter of pressing a button, but hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, that's uh, great to, to be teaching people that because record your concerts, y'all. It's really good, number one, as a teaching tool, 
have people listening back, but also you're going to want to hear that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's cool to go back, but also, you know, be proud of the work that you did. So, uh, music technology, what else, what else do you have on your plate over there? Um, like I'm trying to think of what, I mean, like, yeah, in the past I've taught history of rock, history of jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, those are really fun mm-hmm. classes. Well, it's, it's interesting, like what certain students like really focus on. Mm-hmm. Where you have, you have students that might not like say anything in class until you get to like the metal section, and then they're like so. And in. then they start like questioning, like you say this is death metal, but this is more of yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> like where were you when you're talking about the Beatles? Right. Um, I did an assignment once when I was in Evansville because I taught music appreciation, and I love teaching it because it's like non musicians, and you're talking about the history of all music, and. Um, I had a weekly assignment where they were just supposed to pick like a song that they love and just like write about it to say, why do you like it? What is it? Like try to find an analytical thing. Like, why do you think you like this so much? And just to like hear people's perspectives on Mm. both music, like at bare bones levels, like you'll get of 20 assignments. I just like the rhythm. Okay, cool. But, like, that is an opinion that hooks people to music. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's very easy to get sucked into, like, the very bare, basic parts of music to, you know, like, very deep emotional connections Mm -hmm. that come out for a whole list of reasons. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, those experiences where you're, like, finally in the wheelhouse of a student and they're just like, I know a lot about this one <laughs> thing. And then they just go crazy about it. Yeah. One of the things I really like that yeah, we do with like, I mean, the history of rock especially is we, I mean, we force them to listen to music in ways that they aren't. I mean, I yeah. it was Aaron Copeland wrote in his book, like, I mean, this was way back when, I mean, like wrote that like, you know, people have so many opportunities to hear music. They no longer listen to it. Yeah, and I mean, I'm talking to my dad who would like come home from school and like sit in front of their like family radio and like watch the radio like and listen to like the music come out of it. Mm-hmm. Like it's so different than like putting your phone and like walking to class and like right. Yeah, um, and so we have them like one of the assignments they have to do, and a, a lot of after they do the assignment, they just have to write a reflection on it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, yeah, one of the assignments we have them do is they listen to a concept album from start to finish without any interruptions. So like we encourage them to like lock themselves in one of the like study rooms mm-hmm. and turn off all phones and whatnot mm-hmm. and listen to like, yeah, I mean, Dark like Beach Boys Pet moon. Sounds or yeah. Or yeah. That was an easy choice. Yeah. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah. And I mean, and the, the, the subjects that or what they write about, I mean, it's really interesting. I've never like thought about listening to music like this because you're able to, he- I mean, you're, I mean, you are actively listening. You're not passively, like, while driving or... Mm-hmm. Or I don't know about you. I have to make special choices on music when I'm driving because sometimes I can't help but get sucked in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, well, well gotta got to turn on talk radio or something. <laughs> well, um, I always try to end episodes with uh, trying to tie in the past and like where you're headed in terms of your career. Um, it seems like you've got a really great thing going at St. Ambrose and uh, both you and your wife are well-rooted in the community and we love seeing you out and about and hanging out at, yeah. at certain things. But what 
maybe looking back at your story, like, <laughs> like for, for lack of a better way to put it, like, what have you learned <laughs> and what, like, where do you see yourself going in terms of like, what are your passions or what is your focus going to be moving forward within music? And I also, um, am curious to hear you talk a little bit about like your decision to throw your hat in the ring for Quad City Wind Ensemble and what it's been like to like really dig in there. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if I had to articulate like what my goals, I don't know. I don't, I have to think about that one for a while. It's a hard question. And like, I guess to, to try to make it a little bit more simple, like it's not generally that, that people's answers are these big, wide, expansive things. Like for me, I found a ton of inspiration and a ton of joy in making the decision to put a ton of my creative energy into things that serve the community in which I live. Mm -hmm. Like, I think when I first started out, I like, it, it was like, I got to be in Chicago Symphony. I got to be in Pittsburgh Symphony. Like, I have to be an important horn player to everyone within the historical context of the world. Uh -huh. <laughs> and like, um, to me, I just found within that that it was like far too limiting in terms of like what my, um, what my description of success would be. But I found that it's like um, making music in, in a community like the Quad Cities, where like uh, I posted a video yesterday, uh, I just like clipped out the audience reaction to when the horns stood up at oh, the end of Mahler yeah. 1. <laughs> and like just the fact that like people like scream uh -huh. and cheer for me and my colleagues here in this community and I, I know that happens elsewhere it's not like 100 percent unique but like i feel like i've helped build that mm -hmm. you know and it's not by one show or two shows yeah. it's like i've been playing great shows i've become a better horn player in front of people's ears here i've like hopefully people feel like that they know me as a player and as a person you're like uh um I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, I'm playing a lot of different styles pretty well right now, but it's like Mahler symphony, man, you got to go hear Zyla and his crew yeah. do that. You know, like, you know, like there's a uniqueness and, mm -hmm. and people are kind of getting attached to that. And that's super meaningful for me. So like when we're talking about this idea of like, um, let's blow our lives up every 10 years, move somewhere else and do all this kind of stuff. Like I'm almost disinterested in that mm -hmm. now because I feel like there is a platform here for me to do all this amazing work for people who want me to do it for them. And like, to me, that, that is the refocusing that I feel like I have mm -hmm. pulled from my experiences because yeah, I mean, I, I could continue to take auditions and I'm not saying that I will never take another audition, but it's like the difference between being on the audition trail and what I'm doing now is like a hundred percent different. Because I'm like very invested in this mm -hmm. orchestra and very invested in this community. Uh, I don't want to put words in your no, mouth, no, but no. it's like that's kind of like for me, like that's what I love. And there's other parts of of like I still really don't like practicing, never have. <laughs> but it's like 
I love the result of mm -hmm. that. And like, and again, I like doing it for the people that I, I can look out and know the people who are clapping mm -hmm. for me and stuff. So is there anything in the soup there that, yeah. that you're kind of gravitating towards? Well, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, immediately, and I think I even saw this as an undergrad, um, that those people that are so focused on, you know, my goal is to be, you know, conductor of a major symphony orchestra or like a big 10 school mm -hmm. like if like if they're a heat-seeking missile and like something veers off i mean it's a complete devastation yeah and i like i mean i did not want to right do... and i don't think either one of us are like um saying one thing is better than mm -hmm. the other it's just figuring out where you fit in that yeah and uh, you know um but yeah i mean i think I think like ultimately my goal is always to try to like build and take things to the next level. Right. Um, and I think ultimately like just doing the best job you can. And as a conductor, I think ultimately your job is to make these people that are better at what they do than you are, like make them all work together and create something even better than everyone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Together. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so like finding the right music, the right combinations, um, but then also like working with the community, um, like with the Quad City Wind Ensemble, one thing I'm really excited about is we're starting a summer chamber series in Vanderveer Park. Awesome. So yeah, so we're working with the city on that, on their, um, in their yeah, accessibility pavilion there. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. And so yeah, so yeah, it will slowly be unveiling it in the next month or so. That's awesome. So um Tell us about the Quad City Wind Ensemble, and we'll wrap it up here. Because I think, in terms of news, it's the most—I mean, not that you have, probably have other bits of news, but like the newest position mm -hmm. you have been awarded is this. And yeah, so talk, I, tell yeah, me about the, that. The director of that, the Quad City Wind Ensemble, it is—it's an incredible group. Um, I mean, yeah, some really, really top-notch musicians. A lot—I mean, yeah, a lot of them were band directors, and mm -hmm. so like they—I mean. We've joked that sometimes, like, the best way, you know, like, the best musicians in any group are, like, those people that have conducted those works because they know, like, what the ins and outs are, like, who right. you need to be listening to, like. What, or what am I responsible for as a player? Like, yeah. you know, uh, there are certain pieces where it's, like, if this part isn't rock solid, it ain't going to yeah. get glued <laughs> together. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, and there are, yeah, like, yeah, top-notch musicians. Um, and, yeah, and... and I think the thing that I like about it, like about that group is we can jump into talking about music right away mm -hmm. as opposed to like you like fixing notes and rhythms or I mean like right, right. now coming out of the pandemic it I mean not there's anything wrong about like education system mm -hmm. right now but a lot of the students that are in my bands now at Ambrose like have only had 2 years of high school ensemble because the previous 2 years were right. taken away from them. Yeah. And so we're having to go over a lot of the basics that we're kind of learned through osmosis, like the little A2, the Aduo, like mm -hmm. that's like, that's when everyone comes in or like Consordino, like right. a lot of brass players just didn't know that meant mute. I mean, some right. of them did, but yeah, right. like, yeah. Um, so playing but, a little catch up yeah, in that sense. Yeah. Um, but at, yeah, I mean like, yeah, with this group, it's incredible. I mean, we were putting concerts together in, in six, six rehearsals. That's awesome. Um, I've really grown to enjoy working with like 
soloist. So we have the the young um, the the, the to Camp who just passed away this past mm-hmm. March. Um, the Czech to Camp um, solo competition, and yeah, this year the soloist um, Akshar Barot. I'm sure I have butchered his name. I practiced it a lot. <laughs> a lot yeah, a lot. Um, yeah, flute player from Rock Falls, and he'll mm-hmm. be doing the Shamanad Concertino. Wow. Yeah. With the band. Yeah, with the group. But yeah, he came Very in cool. and played it from memory. That's amazing. <laughs> well, Nick. It's been a joy to watch you work in the community over the years, and I look forward to seeing what you do in the coming years, and uh, I look forward to many more beers together yeah. <laughs> and talking about the uh, the uh, the music world of the Quad Cities. But thanks you, thank you for uh, coming on and chatting with me this morning, and uh, hope you'll come back sometime. Yeah. All right. Because is produced by Mark Zyla and Jaron Michelle in the studios of WVIK Quad Cities NPR. Thank you for listening to this episode. Because I read Because by Mo Willems, illustrated by Amber Wren, I wanted to learn the becauses of people I admire. Do me a favor and thank someone in your own Because story and join us next time on Because. Because.